You are, you are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super excited for today's guest, Simon Leslie, the founder and chief executive of Inc., a global travel media company. He is also the author of three books on sales and life and a beautiful compilation of motivational poems. As a mentor and serial investor to multiple young entrepreneurs, he also coaches worn-out business leaders on how to live the life of their dreams. And over the last 30 years, he has dedicated his skill to creating amazing media in the travel space. He is a world record holder for the amount of in-flight magazines he has launched and published, with over 250 million copies of magazines published in the last 30 years. He also knows a thing or two about crafting travel media. His clients include major airlines, airports, and travel groups. He's also been married for 25 years, has four boys, and a pug. <laughs> I want to welcome Simon Leslie to Making Bank today. Yeah, the pug's really important. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> well, we have a mini pinchers, one of ours, and our uh, our daughter's friend just got a pug as well. So <laughs> they're all excited about the pug. <laughs> uh, thank you for the intro. You know, that's funny. That's what I do, but that's not who I am. And hopefully we'll get to share who I am and all the things that... For sure. Have, uh, the, the secrets that will have made me survive this this 30 years in business <laughs> well i guess tell us a little bit how you guys started as an entrepreneur i mean did were you an entrepreneur as a kid all kind of growing up or did it happen later in life and in when when the aha moment came in you know I, i've been challenging myself about this question am i an, am i an entrepreneur because an entrepreneur gets in gets out makes his money and you know i've been doing the same business for 28 years so i'm not sure if i'm a, an entrepreneur or not but I'm, I'm definitely um, a startup. I'm a 28-year-old startup. I've, I'm learning every single day. I want to make sure that every day I can improve my knowledge and my information and help as many people as I can. I, I, I guess I got started because I didn't want to work for anybody else. I was, I was a difficult person to manage at school. I was a difficult person to manage as an employee. So I thought the only way I could do this was to be my own boss, to live my own dreams. And I gave up a nine to five job for a 24 seven job <laughs> for less money, <laughs> for more stress. Yeah. And, and I spent the last sort of 24 months fighting this pandemic and also thinking about how do I create the life of my dreams? How do I live the life that I, that the reason I got into business in the first place and I think I've just about worked out the uh, the formula. And so what was kind of that spur of the moment thing that really kicked it off for you? I guess I'd failed three businesses before this one. Mm. And I thought, I've got to get, I've got, this one's got to get it right. And th this one was on the verge of failing as well. And we had a miracle from somebody up there who was looking down on me. Um, some money arrived in our bank account and we used that to survive and about three and a half years later when we sold a business, on the exact day we sold a business, right? Just just figure this, just put this in perspective. This was a German bank, you know, we'd gone through three year ends, they hadn't noticed it, but the day we sold a business, the day we were safe, they rang up and said, can we have our money back please? 
So somebody has definitely blessed me and uh, I've always been lucky and I've just feel, I've always been charmed. You know, to survive in business this long, you've got to have some, some luck on your side. For sure. I know, I know. I, for, I mean, I've been in that same boat. I've owned lots of companies since I was 14. So I've owned 15 companies since I was 14. So that's been... I don't know, 30, 30 plus years <laughs> as well. So <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that journey. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it, and it's sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's stressful. Um, you know, when, you, when you're not doing it, you miss it. And when you're doing it, you hate it. So we just, we've, we've all got to just find the, the, the threads of what we really love about what we do. And when we, when we do that and we, we find the things that we're really, that really, really, motivate us or inspire us and we do more of those life's easy then really it really is what uh what did you find that you know that you really love i think it's the negotiating it's the doing the deals you know i i love the i love the process of lead sourcing i love the process of 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 the negotiation but it's actually doing the deals is finding opportunities doing those deals and then handing off to somebody else to do the to do the other work you know, I'm not great at the paperwork. I'm not great at um, the, the bits and pieces which I don't think add any value. I make sure that I do the things which add the maximum value to, to the opportunity. And I've done lots of deals and some small deals, some big deals, some mega deals. And, and you just, and I guess that's what that's propelled me. I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story because I, I, I sort of discovered this. I was in the Bellagio and I looked at the poker room and there was the 1-3 table there was a 2-5 table, and then there was this 25-50 table. And I thought, you know what? The game's the same. It doesn't matter. The stakes are different, but the game is the same. And I think that's what business is. You can make a decision. Do you want to play the small table? Do you want to play the middle table? Or do you want to play the big table? And I've always sort of pushed myself out of my comfort zone to get, get up to that big table and play at the big table and play big stakes. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I mean, that's huge. Is so many times... We underestimate what we can do, and you know we, where we should be playing at the bigger table instead of at the <laughs> five dollar hand table. I actually funny you mentioned that too. We were just out in Vegas about two weeks ago. My kids had uh, there they they fight in taekwondo and forms and all that kind of stuff, and so they had the uh, nationals competition out there. So we were just out there uh, fighting and doing all that for the last the last week, and uh, stayed at the MGM. So they <laughs> got to see the casinos and. <laughs> Did they win? Well, they couldn't play. <laughs> oh, they couldn't play gambling. <laughs> At the time, yeah. Yeah. But yes, uh, the, our daughter did really well. She won silvers and bronzes and, and forms. And then the boys, um, they just started to fight in the uh, next bigger age division. So they're in the 12 to 14 division. And unfortunately, there was lots of 14-year-olds and only a few 12-year-olds. So they did well, <laughs> only lost by one point in their first match. But... It, uh, they went out and tried really hard. So the, the funny thing is that triggers a funny story in my mind. I remember going to school. And I don't think I ever was invited back to school. And the teacher said, um, "Mr. Leslie, your your son is always fighting." I said, "Is he always winning though?" <laughs> and they said, "That's not the right question." I said, "Well, it's the question that interests That's me." That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you said um, obviously the negotiating part, you know, is one of the kind of the great things that you love. I mean, obviously you've done well negotiating. You have 250 million copies of your magazine, travel media magazines published in the last 30 years. So that takes a little bit of drive and skills and, and, and negotiating there for sure. Well, we had, we had, you know, 
before this pesky pandemic came along, we had 36 magazines, 36 magazines for 39 airlines. Um, we were publishing on every continent, so we had the biggest airlines in the world, United, American, Virgin, Singapore, Etihad, so on every continent we had, we had a major player. Probably in the early 2000s, I think we had 50 or 60 magazines at that point. There was a lot more airlines then. Um, as I said, my, I remember the first airline, I, first low-cost airline that came to America, which was in Columbus, which was called Skybus. You know, they tried, they tried to, I'm not quite sure what they were trying to do, and fuel went through the roof and they, they lasted about one or two issues. And we had, we had quite a few clients like that, but we, we published a hell of a lot of magazines in the, in the early 2000s. What um so obviously been in business you know you've been doing this for like the last thirty years and you had some failed businesses before um what were some of the biggest things you took away from those failed businesses that you were able to apply you know to this one that's really made it a success I don't I actually think I've learned more in this business because even though it hasn't failed it's had quite a few heart attacks along the way <laughs> we had we had nine eleven we had two thousand eight we had two thousand twelve we had uh, stupid decisions by me and and then obviously along came COVID so I think I've learned more in the last well, I've probably learned more in the last two and a half years than I did in the previous 27 mm. certainly about me I'd gone from being um, doubting myself as a as a success to actually believing you know what you you are pretty competent you are capable because before I'd say to myself you know what what happens when they figure out I haven't got a clue what I'm doing? Mm. And now I don't feel like that. I really do feel like I'm a good operator. I know what I'm doing. I'm good at what I do and I stick to my lane. And I think that's really important for entrepreneurs is to understand what you're really good at, what you bring to the party and just keep bringing that. Don't worry about what you're not good at. There's plenty of other people who can do what you're not good at. But, you know, the thing that makes you special is the thing you need to focus on. Yeah, so true. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs, they... <clears throat> have that challenge with, I guess, imposter syndrome or why am I here? You know, how can I have <laughs> been the one to do this and lead this? And, you know, the, the, the employees are going to find out, like you said, don't know what I'm doing and stuff. And what were some of the biggest things there, I guess, some of the ways that you overcame that? And now you're like, hey, you know, I am the right person. I am the guy for this. Every opportunity is gift wrapped as a problem. And, and, and the way to, to, to paint this picture so, so people can understand it is, if you imagine as a kid, you play Pass the Parcel, and then everybody sort of unwrapped one layer and eventually somebody got to the got the prize. And I think that's what business is. There's an opportunity, but because it's gift wrapped in problems, most people don't get past the problems to get to the opportunity. And right now, every time I get a problem, I think, ooh, that means opportunity is around the corner. And and all of a sudden those problems, which might be huge, dissipate and get so much so much smaller because I'm focusing on how am I going to get past this problem to the opportunity? How am I going to unravel it and, and discover what's around the corner? And I think that's really, it helps me get where I need to get to much quicker. So, I mean, tell me about the time too. I know uh, in the information they'd sent over, uh, you were kidnapped in Beirut. <laughs> <laughs> So, what, kind of, so, so our, what kind of a learning experience did you take away from that one? <laughs> well, I, I think the, the, the interesting thing is, you know, our first contract was probably the smallest airline in the world. It was an airline that flew from London to Beirut. It was just after the Civil War. And I was going to Beirut every two months. And a friend of mine had a textile business and he said, do me a favor. 
can you go and see one of my clients? Never, he's not very happy, but you know, go and see him and say hello and do whatever you need to do. And and I'd been, you know, I've been in Beirut enough times to, to know that, you know, the areas that you do go to, the areas you don't go to, and this old dusky Mercedes turns up, which was unusual because normally people would send you a nice clean car. This car was like beaten up. I thought, oh, okay, whatever. I got in it. And and between Beirut and the airport is is basically the area that the Hezbollah operate in. And, I, and as we drove, so, so I've always driven through the area and never stopped. So this time this guy pulls up at a big warehouse and he says, um, mm. Right. Do you work for the company? And I went, um, no, I'm just the representative here. I just thought I'd call in to see how you are. Because we're so unhappy. And it was, he sat me on a chair. It was like, imagine Reservoir Dogs on a chair in the middle of an empty warehouse, just me and him. And I could see, he was he was slightly disgruntled. And he spent the next hour telling me how disgruntled he was. And I said, look, I'm really sorry. It's not my... And he kept asking me, is it your business? Is it your business? I said, it's not. I said, I'm just a representative here. And um, I felt parts of me <laughs> wanting to be released. And it was probably the most scary hour of my life. And uh, eventually he said, well, if this was your business, you would not be leaving here. And sort of threw me out the door and said, off you go. And then the dusky car took me back to my hotel. And I got on the phone to my friend and I said, you bastard, <laughs> what have you done to me? <laughs> And, and after that, we didn't. We hardly ever spoke again. But it was. I, I am. I can only imagine. This is what you know. What being a, being kidnapped must must feel like. For sure, yeah. It's it's definitely a scary moment and makes you really think about everything in your life and what's <laughs> where you're at and everything. <laughs> I mean, I was only young then, but it's, even so, it's you know, it, it's the emotions and just being in the Middle East. Our next client was in Africa. So I spent my life haggling, <laughs> learning how to negotiate, how to get paid. Because in the Middle East, if, you, if they owe you money, they invite you for dinner. You know, it's like, it's the opposite of here. Here they just ghost you. There they say, come around, meet the wife, meet the kids. Oh, we love you very much, but we're not paying you, can't pay you. We'll pay you at some other point. So it is, it's a really interesting way of, of doing business. And then, and then the same in Africa, you know, I'm traveling around Rwanda, Uganda, Tanzania, some of the poorest countries in the world, but yet there's so much money and there's so much opportunity in these countries. And I think I learned about culture, food, poverty, inspiration, inspirational people, powerful people, weak people, you know, all the different people that I came into contact mm. with. And as a, I was probably in my early twenties, I think that opened me up to things that I shouldn't have seen, things I should have seen, and just amazing experiences. And I think that really did set me up for life. You mentioned earlier, you know, with, with the kind of the introduction stuff, you know, that's what you do. That's not who you are. Kind of, kind of tell us, you know, who you are, what, you know, uh, you know, who makes up, you know, Simon Leslie? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a good dad. And I always feel like I'm a little bit behind in that game. And I've got work to do. I was a, a very absent father in the early days, but now I'm I'm making up for it. And I've got four boys, and they are incredible, and I'm proud of them. And they're all coming out. And I think you are a reflect. You know, your kids tell you if you do a good job. They show you if you do a good job. And I think I think I've done a good job in that. I'm I'm all about the people. 
I'm about helping people, helping anybody I meet, leaving them better than I find them. I want to inspire people. I want to help people. If people are watching this and they're, they're going through tough times, they're going through difficult, challenging, they've got problems they don't know how to unravel or unpack, reach out and say hello. Because I think there's only three people you need in your life. Someone who's done what you want to do, someone who's go, going or gone where you want to go, or somebody who's going to absolutely inspire you, fill you with positive energy, fill you with a, a sense of anything is possible. And hopefully I'm that guy. Well, I, it must be some of that guy because, I mean, with, you know, you, you're a coach, you know, you're coaching and you're working with business leaders, you know, and then, you know, helping them, you know, live the life of their dreams. What are some of the things you've found working with different entrepreneurs that has been kind of like a similar theme and then kind of how have you kind of helped them through that? I always find that they're trying to use the same brain to fix the, the problem that's causing the problem. And you really have, I always say to people, you've got to get as far away from the problem as you can and start thinking about it from that position. Mm. Go and sit up a mountain, go and find somewhere where you can be alone with a bit of paper and think about the problem and how you're going to fix it. And, you know, there's, there's a question to how do you build a house? And if you ask an audience that question, how do you start when you build a house? And they'll say, with amazing foundations, you've got to build strong foundations. And I go, no, that's not how you build a house. You build a house with a vision, with a, then you take it to an architect and it gives you a plan. And then you then you, you have a dream and then you have a project and you have a passion. And if you fill it with a little bit of love, you can build an amazing house and then you start doing the work. But you have to start with the end in mind. You have to start with the project, a clear vision of what you want that project to look like. And if you do that, you can solve any problem at all. Yeah, no, that's that's super important. And a lot of times we get, like you said, with the problem, you get so caught up and it's right there in front of you and you got to take that step back. And like you said, you know, go climb a mountain, which you did, right? <laughs> you climbed Kilimanjaro. Oh, I've, got, I've climbed lots of mountains. <laughs> I think in 2008, I, I just started, when the world was starting to believe that nothing was possible, I went out of my way to try and prove that anything was possible. I did marathons, I climbed Kilimanjaro, I did a double marathon across the Sahara, I did a half Ironman. You know, I'm 300 pounds. This is not something that a 300 pound man should be doing. Right. <laughs> but obviously you did. <laughs> Anything's possible. Awesome. Guys, I hope you guys are really listening to what um, Simon's been talking about, how he's been able to connect and figure out what he loves and, and, and be able to do that and also serve people and, you know, give them opportunities to, um, you know, live their life that they want. Um, as well as being a great dad and, and everything as well. Make sure you guys go back, listen, watch this again, take those notes, and then figure out in your life, you know, where you can, you know, level up, where you can, you know, uh, fill in those gaps and, you know, do better and make sure you're doing, you know, what you love, as well as also, in, you know, enjoying how you're working and make sure you're getting, spending time with your family and everything. I know we got a little bit of time left. What's something that, oh man, I hope Josh was going to ask me about this, or I really got to make sure I share this before we wrap up for the day um, that you want to share with the audience. I, I just want to touch on that point because the, the, the listening thing is so important. And, I, and I've been at conferences and I've said to people, listen, I'm not sure if you bought the VIP seats or you bought the cheap seats, right? Because there's also this other seat, which is the VIP listening seats. Now they cost the same as the cheap seats and the VIP seats. You just have to listen a little bit more carefully. And there's so many nuggets that are 
are presented to all of us at any moment of any day. And the problem is most of the time we're so busy being busy that we miss those opportunities. We miss that the things that are being said. And, it's, and, it, and it is the same with opportunities. Opportunities come and go. How many times have you seen something and gone, oh, I had that idea, I should have done that, oh, I could have done that. And, and the thing is, that was the opportunity visiting you. But because you weren't ready to do it, it went down the road and found somebody else who was. You know, that is the thing with life. Be awake, be aware, be available, and you will attract lots more opportunities. There's more opportunities than there's, than there's people. You know, there's 8 billion people on this planet. I reckon there's 10 billion opportunities. And if you're available and you're awake, anything is possible. Anything, you can attract whatever you like. I'd, I'd love you to, to read my new book. It's, the, it's called Equanimity, which is a diary of a CEO in crisis. And, if, and it doesn't matter what stage of business you're in. If you're starting out, it'll give you advice from 50 of the most amazing people on the planet, from the likes of Chris Voss, Bradley, Tim Grover, Tim Story, Alison Levine, so many amazing people who've done amazing things. If you're struggling, my God, it's a playbook. Because when I went into COVID, we went from 150 million, Josh, to zero in nine days. Now, it was the most horrible time, so I kept a diary of everything I was doing. And I think this this is, this is gonna, one that was cathartic for me, but this will be an amazing playbook for people who are who want to grow, you know, even they're not in any trouble at all, but they really want to grow their business. They want to think about acquisitions. They want to think about scaling their business. Every idea and thought that went through my head, and I turned this business around that had gone from zero, and this year will be, you know, there is a happy ending to that story. This year will be the best year we've ever had in business in 30 years. And I know we're only halfway through it, but I'm convinced of that. And, and everything I learned and everything, every, everything that I made happen came through that book. So, and if you get it on Audible, the, the guy narrating it is a beautiful English actor and he will just inspire you. Awesome. So uh, Audible, Amazon, I'm guessing they can find it at? Absolutely. Perfect. And we'll drop, we'll drop a link down here below and everything too. And then where can people connect with you online or social media and everything? I'm on all the platforms, but I, every month... At the, at the end of each month, I do a diary of what I did this month. I started doing it in January. I want people to see that you can live the life of your dreams while running a business, while making a, making a business profitable and successful, while inspiring your team and bringing them with you on that journey. And I guess it's a commitment to myself that I've got to keep doing this. And the only way I'm going to do it is by sitting down and writing about it. Mm, that's great. Uh, and I guess... One last thing. I mean, what you know when you when that obviously with COVID, you went from 150 million to zero in nine days. I mean, what kept you in the game, and what kept you, um, you know, from you know, obviously there was so many suicides and deaths and things like all across that over the last, over those couple of years. You know, what kept you here and grounded? Yeah, it's a it's a 50 million dollar question. I think the. I knew this wasn't my fault, right? I didn't cause this. The airports had closed, the planes were grounded. <laughs> right. I, there was nothing I could possibly do, which is when I started reaching out to all these people I knew. Some I didn't know, some of them became amazing friends. So I did what I could control. So I, I looked after my team. I really was, that was the most, that was the biggest priority for me, was to bring people in to inspire my team. And that's what the messages that I share in the book. 
I knew it wasn't my fault, but I didn't. I also knew it was my responsibility to save it. And at times I felt like I was rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. At other times I felt like, oh my God, there's an, oppo- there's, there's an opportunity here, but it's gift wrapped in problems. The biggest opportunity came on January the 12th, 2021. CNN decided they were going to leave the airport and we had an air, we had an airport TV network. We jumped in and said, come on, let us take it over. I got 23 no's in that process. I never got a yes, but I, and, and what they asked us to do in 12 weeks is impossible. Anyone running a business will know how long it takes to order in, to organize insurance, cabling, letters of credit. It's not possible, but we made it happen. So go figure. You know, when, when, when your back's against the wall, when you need to do something, you can make magic happen. That's awesome. Simon, thank you for coming on Making Bank today. Really appreciate your time and just an honor to have you on the show. I really enjoyed it. And as I said, anyone wants to reach out, I'm available. Awesome. I am Josh Felbert. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.